going to have, are we going to be brainless? I don't think so, right? We're still going to have a functioning of brain that will enable us to process all the things that are in glorious heaven, right? And so we will have a new body, we'll have a new restored mind, right? And we have a spirit in us. And the Bible says that when we are born again, the Bible says, I will put a new spirit in you and a new heart in you. Now you have a spirit, you have a heart, you have a mind, and you have a body. You have all of those elements, but all of those elements put together make up who you are. It makes up you. You are a living soul. That is what you are. You understand what I'm saying? You are a living soul. Your soul is not just your mind. It's not just your thought. The soul is everything, your spirit, your mind, your emotions, your body, whether it be physical or spiritual. It put all together, it makes you a soul. And so the Bible tells us that that's who we are. Go with me to Psalm 49, verse number 8. And God is con concerned about our soul. And uh, he says, because we are made to live forever. And that is true, whether we're good, whether we're bad, whether we're saved or whether we're unsaved, the Bible says that we are made, our makeup is a soul that lives forever. Where that soul lives forever is a, is a choice that we make. But a soul is something that has eternal life. And a soul that goes down to hell to torment will experience the torments and the pains of hell. Why? Because it has a spiritual body, it has a spiritual mind, it has spiritual emotions, and it has a spirit in there, and, and it is a living soul that will go down into the depths of hell to be tormented and separated from God forever. This is the Word of God. This is not my makeup or my story. But the soul that receives Jesus Christ and is cleansed in the blood goes to everlasting glory with God, and that soul will live forever. And the soul is the spirit, the mind, the body of that individual, and the emotions of that person. Psalm 49, verse uh, number 8, well, look at verse number 7. No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. Why did Jesus come? Because there was no other way for us to be redeemed but by the blood of Christ. You see what it says? That no one by any means can redeem his brother. What does that mean? It means you don't have enough gold. It means you don't have enough uh, silver. It means you don't have enough cattle. It means you don't have enough land. It means you don't have enough influence. It means you don't have enough power. It means anything. You don't have what it takes to redeem your brother. Only God has it. Verse number nine. Uh, verse number seven. I mean, eight. Let's go to eight, okay? We went from seven to nine. Let's go in between. Let's go to eight. For the redemption of his soul is costly. The redemption of what? The redemption of what? Of his soul. The redemption of a person's soul is costly, and he should cease trying forever. In other words, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot save the soul of our brother or our sister or our mother or our brother or our father or our uncle or our aunt or anyone. We cannot save their soul. It is too costly. 
verse 9, that he should live on eternally and that he should not undergo decay. There is nothing we can do to save our souls or the soul of someone else. We are totally dependent upon God to save our soul, right? That's what the Word of God says. And God is always, from the day he breathed life into you in the womb, the day you came out and you got that little tap back there and you went, the minute you did that, you were a living soul. I mean, even in your mother's womb you were. But when you came out, you were a living soul. And God, from that time on, when you come to that age, God is always trying to draw you to himself. God wants to bring you into relationship. He wants you to know his love and his care and his compassion. God has a concern for you and a responsibility for you. God is responsible to you in that he will draw you to himself so that he can reveal who he is and reveal his love and reveal Christ to you, the gospel, because he knows that as a soul you are going to live forever. And he wants you. God's desire is he wants you to live with him forever. It's not God. The Bible says God does not desire that anyone should what? Perish, but that all should come to, to be saved, right? To have life with him. And so God is forever drawing us, our soul, our entire makeup over to him. And we see that in God's eyes, it is precious. We are precious souls to God. Because he formed us, he fashioned us, he made us. The gifts and talents you have were given you by God. And God wants to use those in a glorious way, in a good way. And so God is continually trying to, to draw us together. And why does God give us? In the Bible, he says that he, uh, you know, made this place called hell, you know, a lake of fire and brimstone and all that. And But he doesn't want us to be there because the devil... And his angels rebelled against God, and God made a place for them. And they're trying to get people to, they're trying to get souls to side with them to be in that place. But God has got a great and glorious place for us. And he's saying, here's where I want you to be. I want you to be in a place where there's no more pain and no more suffering, no more dying, no more death. You've got to choose. You're a living soul that I desire. I want you to come with me. In Matthew chapter number 13, go with me, Matthew chapter number 13, there's, there's pulls on our soul. There's many things that pull at our soul. In Matthew chapter number 13, God is one who pulls on our soul, which is our entire being. God works on our spirit. He works on our mind. He works on our bodies. And, uh, you know, you remember the story of the ten lepers that, that, they, that he healed them. Right? And out of those that he healed, right, he did a miracle work in their body. Out of those ten, how many went back to him and said, Jesus, I want to follow you and thank you? One. One out of ten came back to him to say, I want to follow you. The other nine got caught up and, and just kind of went their own ways and, and whatever happened to their souls, we'll never know. But the one came back to get to be touched by Jesus even deeper and further and to give him and to give him thanks. And Matthew chapter thirteen is where Jesus talks about the parables of the soil. And we don't have to read the whole thing, but he tells you there that the sower came to sow. And he tells us that God sows seed in our life because he's concerned about our soul. He wants us to turn to him that we would be saved. But some things, like the cares of this world and the cares of life, 
it says come in and they choke off that seed. So there's things that come against us that, 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 that cause us not to get into that place where we read the word and meditate on it. Oh, we don't have time. I'm too busy, too caught up to read the word. Uh, I gotta do this and I gotta do that. Or, or we get caught up in building a business. Oh, I, I just gotta, I gotta, gotta work 24-7 at getting this business off the ground or whatever. And so there's many different things that we get caught up in that kind of choke the word of God in our lives and it, it kind of pulls us away where God is saying, you know, no, you need to let that seed take root and go. Put yourself in that good place. And uh, we need to choose Jesus as our Lord and to sit at his feet. And uh, your soul is great and precious and costly. And the salvation of your soul is a great and wonderful thing to God. And what he's trying to tell us is that your house, your land, your possessions, your money is not more important to you than your soul. You can have a miracle in your body. You can have a blessing financially. You can have all kinds of things. And not that those things are bad. Those are good, right? We all want to have a good home and a good good job and good things. But those things count as nothing compared to the future of our soul. Our soul lives in a present world, in a present age. And we have to make a decision and a choice. What is more important to me? My eternal soul that will someday leave this body and live eternally somewhere with the Lord or separate it from the Lord. What is more important to me? My house or my soul? What is more important to me? My my job or my soul? And the Lord is saying that if a man should put the priorities out of order and profit and gain the whole world, meaning he doesn't mean you gain the whole world, you know, America, China, and all these other places, but in, in what your world, what is your world? Does your world uh, revolve around your house? Does your world revolve around your, your job? Does your world revolve around your whatever? And if, and if we make our priorities wrong, get them out of balance, and if we make those things more important than our soul, the Lord says that what, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul in the process? So the Lord is trying, uh, it's not something of condemnation. The Lord is trying to encourage us to wake us up, to say, listen, there's great things in store for you. Wake up. Wake up. There's glories in heaven for you. Wake up. You don't know how many days you have on the face of this earth. Wake up. Wake up, he's saying. And so the Lord is trying to shake us awake and make us alive to, to the things that are really important that will really last and will really endure and he he goes he wants us to know that he wants us to know that and he wants us to count the cost the bible and if you go look in the gospel of luke uh and whatever it, it tells us that when you become a disciple you need to count the cost and you know nobody undertakes something unless they count the cost and what does it take to follow jesus the course there's a cost involved not for our salvation, Christ paid for our salvation. But the cost in following Jesus is taking time to sit under the word of God, we, which is him. We have to sit at his feet and learn. We just can't go close the book and, and go our own way in life. And once uh, you think, you, you add it up, all the hours of the week, how many hours are there in a week? 
If you just think about it, there's a lot. How many hours do we come to church on Sunday? One hour out of, huh? Two hours, I'm sorry, two hours. We, we do a two-hour church service here. All right, so two hours, two hours a week on a Sunday morning that we give to the Lord, that we sow to our soul. Uh, how many hours during the week do we pick up the Word of God and read it? How many hours of the week do we, do we go to a place in, in our home or wherever and worship the God, God and meditate on the Lord? Add up your hours, how much you spend at work, how much you spend uh, uh, at play, how much you spend on vacation, how much you spend in the house of the Lord, how much you spend in the Word, and, and make a comparison. Not now, but you, you do that, and you think about it, and you say, how much time am I really given to my soul, to my eternal soul, which is the most important thing of my life? How much are we taking care of our soul? How are we nourishing it? How are, what are we doing to make sure that we will not lose it? You know, the, the Bible uh, you know, tells us that uh, we need to follow the Lord all the days of our lives. Go with me to uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses number 1 to 4. The Bible tells us, If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also, you also will be revealed with Him, where? In glory. Your soul is going to be with the Lord in glory. Now, do you have an understanding what glory means? Well, do a, do a study on glory. Do a study on heaven. Look at where your future is and then consider, what am I doing? Am I, how much time am I setting my mind on the things above and on my future of my soul? I don't want to gain the whole world. I want to gain heaven. I want to gain my walk with the Lord Jesus. I want to gain that day of eternal glory when I get in the presence of God and hear, Well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. Come and enter into the joy and into the rest of the Lord. I don't want to get before the Lord and say, Well, Lord, no, I was too busy working my garden that I really couldn't study your word or praise you. I don't want to be able to say that. Do we need to work our gardens? Yeah. You don't want rotten tomatoes and stuff like that. You need to you need to do things on a, on a right thing, but keep them in perspective and in balance. I'm not saying you give up everything. No, you keep everything in balance. But the most important thing is getting yourself into the place where you can get the word of God that will nourish your soul and uh, to be with Him, to to walk in the ways of the Lord. Let me uh, let me just go on and let me just close with uh, two verses here. Uh, this morning. Go with me to Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 39. The book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. You can have all the riches in the world, as we read in Psalm 49. You can have all the, uh, all the riches in the world. You can have all the power in the world. And that cannot save your soul. It can deliver you from a lot of things. You know, money talks, they say in this world. Money and power can bring you a lot of things, but it can't bring you the salvation of your soul, no matter how much you do have. Only Jesus, only the Word of God can do that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 39. 
It says, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the what? To the preserving of the soul. See, the Bible says don't shrink back. That day you asked Jesus into your life and said, Lord, I want you to be my Savior and Lord, I will follow you. Have we shrunken back? Don't answer, don't raise hand. Have we shrunken back from that walk that we initially had with the Lord, from our commitment to follow Jesus? How have we shrunken back from that walk with the Lord? That's for each of us to to examine ourselves and be honest with ourselves and don't try and cover it up or excuse it away. But we need to be honest with ourselves and say, Lord, when I said I will follow you, when I asked you to be my Savior and my Lord, when I made my commitment that I wanted to learn of you, how have I shrunken back from that commitment? How am I standing today? Am I, am I increasing in my hunger and thirst for you? Or, or has it like grown cold? Has it grown lukewarm? Where am I, Lord? I don't want to be like those that shrink back, that backslide. You know, backsliding doesn't mean that you go off into the world and you're doing ungodly things. Backsliding, too, means that you're not reading. Uh, if you used to read a chapter, now you don't even read at all. Or maybe you just read a verse here and there. Or you pick out one of those little things for the day and read that. You know, how have we shrunken back in our walk in relationship with the Lord? And it's a thing that we need to, to take into consideration. For it says that the Lord... Uh, doesn't want us to be like those who shrink back, but who have faith to the preserving of our soul, that we're going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from we're walking with the Lord and we're trusting the Lord and we're believing on the Lord and we want to go forward. That's why we come together, to be encouraged to go forward in faith, to get on fire for our faith with Jesus, to get into the Word. The Word is our life, nothing else out there. A hot dog isn't going to save my soul, but the Word of God will save my soul, will preserve me, right? The hot dog will give temporary satisfaction, but it may even give oxygen sometimes. But, you know, the Word of God is the what preserves our soul. Our relationship with the Lord preserves our soul, and that is what is important. And so it's a word to, to, to kind of get us back, to shake us up a little bit, to say, Oh, wait a minute. Where, where, how is my relationship? How is, how is my, my obedience, my walk with the Lord doing? And I'm trying, I'm not trying to be legalistic. We're not legalistic. We're, we're relational. We're relationship oriented with the Lord. And how is my relationship with the Lord? Is it, is it getting better or is it the same or has it kind of like slacked off a little bit? And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll find ways to kick it back up a notch, to kick it up a notch, like they say, you know, and to go forward, to get a little more fire in, in us and to go onward with the Lord. That's what the Lord wants. That's why we're here, you know, uh, to kind of in, in love, to poke and prod, to say, come on, come on, come on, get on fire for Jesus. Come on, come on, read the word, you know, in, in a good way. So, uh, you know, you, you do it with a little kid and you go like that. And they, you know, it's like you want to you want to probe, probe and, pro, you know, just to get, you know, hey, 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 come on, come on, come on, wake up. That's, you know, stay alert, stay alert. Let's go back to go with the Lord. Luke chapter 10, and we're going to, we'll end with this. Luke chapter 10. So how, how do we, how do we uh, preserve our soul? How do we make sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're going in the right direction? We're on the right road here. And it says that in verse number 27, um, Jesus is answering, and he says, You shall love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your what? Soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. 
And uh, he answered, and, and he said to him, uh, Jesus said, as he answered, he said, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. So what are we to do? It's, it, is it hard? No, it's not really hard. When we walk with the Lord, and we love the Lord, and we praise him and worship him, and when we fellowship together, it's not hard. And the, and the word says that we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart to renew that fire, that first love. Remember the day you first gave your heart to the Lord. Oh, it was flying. Remember the day, like our sister Deb testified this morning. Oh, what a glorious morning, the day she woke up and got that wonderful report. Oh, what how her mouth is open and how her light has shined and how her she gives testimony to, to those round about her. That's a joyful day. It's a wonderful day. And we should never forget that the day we gave our lives to the Lord, what a wonderful day. How many people did you tell the day you got saved, the day Jesus changed your life? Was there joy and excitement in your life? And who did you go around telling? I went around trying to tell everybody, you know. I was like, you know, I couldn't shut up. I couldn't stop because God radically changed my life. And I had to tell somebody. And so we can't lose that first love, that the realization of what God has truly done in our lives. And uh, uh, so we, we need to uh, love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul. And remember, our soul is who we are, our entire composition. Our soul includes our spirit, our mind, our emotions, our body. We are a soul, a living being. And we're to love him with everything that we are, with all our strength. And to love what? Not just God, but love who? Howdy, neighbor. I got to love you. <laughs> because that's what the word tells us to do. He says, do this. Jesus says, do this and you'll live. Love God with, with all that's in you. Make him the, your number one priority. Don't let anything get in the way. Guys, I'm telling you, if you're going out with a girl and somebody tries to come in between you and your girlfriend... There's going to be trouble, right? And the same thing. Anybody tries to come between you and Jesus, there should be trouble on your half. You should be saying, get out of the way. Don't you come in between me and my lover? Uh-uh. No way. Right? Only a wimp would say, uh, well, yeah, you want her, you take her. And you walk away. Uh, right? I mean, come on. Jesus is fighting for us. Jesus is drawing us. And God wants us to say, hey, you know, don't let anything come between us. I love you. And I have a home for you, a mansion in the, you know, in the sky. And, and, and we're, we're on our way. Amen. We're on our way. We're going to be in glory. Because why? Because we know that Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. Amen. Does everyone in here this morning know Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord? Amen. Bless God. Because that's the only way. There's nothing that can save our soul as we read in Psalm 49. Amen. Only Jesus. Amen.